Dr. Dijonera, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Welcome to the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I'm Kevin Reeves. Today we have Jericho Denman, Mike Glover, and Jenna Bakken. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Around the room, I'll answer the question for you. We like to start with how do you take your coffee, but you take it sweet something usually. I don't have a pattern. I yeah. change it up every day. That's oh, you do? Take it. Yeah. We call it the Russian roulette of caffeine. What do you mean? So you just I, like to try different things. I just try different things every, every time I'm somewhere. Yeah. But here, I'll give you this answer. When I travel, which I love to travel, as you guys know, every time I try a local coffee shop, I'll get a pour over and a shot of espresso oh. and just try that. Yeah. So that's oh. how I judge them on their... I was going to say, that's how you assess them. That's how I assess them. Yeah. A pour over and a cup uh, and an espresso. Mm. But, Very nice. Yeah. Mike Lever. I, I just like it black. Cold, hot, any uh, consistency, hot. depends on the season. I, I like how I like whatever the house coffee is. Because if I go to a place and I'm like, hey, whatever you got, whatever you're brewing, and that's the most common thing brewed, mm-hmm. likely it's going to be consistently like, okay. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be crappy. It's just going to be okay. So that's my that's my go-to. Black, hot. Hot, black. Hot hot and black. Hot got and it. black. Jenna, what do you got? I like a little cream. Yeah? Yeah. I'm a baby. I know it's like faux pas in this company to add anything to, you, <laughs> to your coffee, but a little cream, sometimes some honey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're really in the milk business is what I've learned working here. Yeah, I really like milk. I like dairy. <laughs> uh, I have been putting, like, raw milk in oh it's like straight out of the cow oh what is that called it's uh um illegal most up. places yeah <laughs> <laughs> unpasteurized unpasteurized yeah, yeah there right you go yeah and it's, it's, in hebrew it's good like utah i think is you can buy that shit like yeah, off the counter you yeah. just have to get a waiver you have to sign a waiver rather oh shit yeah. really i buy it at redmond's down here you gotta sign, sign a piece of yeah paper? i have to sign a waiver <laughs> even in california you don't have to sign a waiver to get raw milk but yeah utah you do Interesting. What does the waiver cover? Is it like violent diarrhea or what? Yeah, what like we... if you die, it's not our it fault. Waves, like, yeah, you know, this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it waves IBS yeah. for the rest of yeah. your life? Okay. Well, awesome. with raw dairy, hopefully you don't get that. Hmm. Uh, so the theme of today's podcast is Veterans Day, mm. right? Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. Um, Veterans system. Day actually came out in 1947, right? Raymond Weeks was the first guy, World War II veteran. And it was in Birmingham, Alabama, which I was just there, conveniently. That was the first Veterans Day. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Always on 11 November, right? Always on. That was the first 11 November. Because it was and Armistice it Day first. That's right. Yeah, and it changed to Veterans Day. After World War One. 11th day of the 11th month of the 11th hour. Boom. Oh. Is that a, That's when the Armistice was signed in World War One. Got it. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah. But it was... I think they called it Armistice Day up until... Correct. Up until it was yeah. named. The, actually, I lied. You were correct. The first time the the term or phrase Veterans, Veterans Day was 1947. Like the switch? hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know why they switched, how we went from, like, Armistice Day to Veterans Day? I don't know. Somebody couldn't pronounce Armistice. Those, there's and, a Woman's Veterans Day. Is there really? Yeah. Educate us. When is it? I hate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, June 12th, I believe, in 1940-something. Your date kind of jumbled up the dates and numbers in my head. It's actually not uh, Women's Veterans Day, which I genuinely am not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all put on the same uniform, of yeah. course. Like, there's things that you guys can do I can't do. There's things I can do, like make a baby that you guys can't do, but you probably need your help. Oh, like, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> well, Let's be careful how I word that. But um, 
Yeah, so it's actually not Women's Veterans Day, but it's it's touted as that, which I'm not a fan of, but it's when the uh, Integration Act was signed mm. in the 40s. I don't remember the exact date, but June 12th, so that women can like permanently be in the armed forces. Nice. Because yeah. Yeah. before that, it was like they couldn't be anywhere on the front line, not just in combat, but just anywhere beyond well, yeah, like so nursing. Correct, yeah. and it was just like... We were integrated in time of war as like a necessity, not mm. as like an everyday kind of thing. So yeah. they signed that on June 12, 1940 something. I want to say 48 now because you Makes said sense. it. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's like 43. I don't know. Don't quote me. But yeah, so that was when we were officially allowed to be a full time part. Of yeah, World War II, like all the things that you see, Banner Brothers and all the reflections of World War II and the history. You don't see women anywhere except as nurses. Correct. Yeah. Treating soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there was a famous uh, all African-American women's unit, that, and they just ran all the APOs in the Army. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting little piece of history, too. And then oh, yeah. the other big women's thing was, let me let me mansplain uh, <laughs> women in the military here to you. The other one, and it's actually a really, going back to how I love to travel, there's an awesome museum in, I think it's Midland, Texas, that is the Women's Auxiliary Air Corps Museum. So oh. during World War II, since all the men were pilots like in combat, they used women pilots to ferry the planes. So like, like they would go Boeing, pick up a B-17, fly it to all these airfields, and then deliver it Saw that. to yeah, there. Like a really bunch cool. of them died yeah. like doing that. But wow, I had no idea. Pretty cool women's military factoid. Yeah, absolutely. It, Oh, I was going to say, look how far we come, though. I mean, women are serving. In, there's infantry, mm-hmm. women combat leaders mm-hmm. that are going around. Like, like I uh, interviewed Lisa Jaster, mm-hmm. who was in the first group of three um, that went to Ranger mm-hmm. School. She was the last. She was in the first group of three, but she recycled every phase. Yes. <laughs> so she went. She was like in Ranger School for a year. She, she got some extra training. She got some <laughs> extra training, but she, she didn't quit. That's um, awesome. She recycled every phase twice. Or got to go on her second phase. So at the time it was Darby, mountains, and, and swamp phase. And then finished and then is now a lieutenant colonel, I believe, in the infantry as hmm. an officer. Interesting. Insane. That is, those are the hardest people, though. Everyone's like, oh, man, you got through ranger school first go. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but that means I had less exposure. <laughs> well, as opposed to like Pat Johnson, right? Yeah. Each phase two times minimum yeah came back gaunt as fuck I'm like, there was uh <clears throat> so when i got to battalion went to ranger school i went for back when i went i went pretty quick i went in it was nine and a half ten months mm. and i got to pre-ranger and you show up and there's all the guys who've been dropped and recycled from ranger school and all that <clears throat> and i meet this dude his name's sarvin i won't say his last name but <clears throat> We're, we're bullshitting. Like, he's sharing a room, and he's like, hey, man, what company are you in? What battalion? I was like, I'm in 275. Who company? Charlie Company. He's like, oh, that's what company I'm in. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, I've never <laughs> seen you. And he'd been, he had been in ranger school at that point for, like, a year. Oh. And then he classed up with me. We went. He got through Darby, went to mountains. He then got recycled in mountains. Got through this mountains This is a second go at it. Like, recycled for a year, and then he's going And back. then this is, yeah, and then he started again. And he, <laughs> so then he got recycled after, I went through mountains, because I, I went straight through, so he get, gets recycled in mountains. I was back from ranger school, I'd gotten promoted to corporal, I was a uh, team leader, 
<laughs> and he came back without his tab. <laughs> no. I he, thought he was going to come with two tabs. No. <laughs> he ended up being gone for like 19 months. Holy How many never times got his can tab. you recycle? Never got his tab. I guess it depends. I it, mean, if it's a it's a failure for standards versus medical, like yeah, there's a whole knows. bunch of variables, right? He just, yeah. he just kept failing sense. patrols. Like he he, he was kind of like he was kind of like he had a he had a little bullseye on his back for some reason. I don't know what it was, but yeah, Shocking. came back. I felt so fucking bad for this dude, dude. when he came back. Cause he comes back, he'd been in battalion like a year longer than me. Comes back, never he met me like twice. And I was a corporal team leader, and he was like still a private. You know? <laughs> did he get? Did he get the boot? Uh, he just ended up, you know, riding it out. Riding out his enlistment. And yeah. Getting out, and he's like a software programmer and like fucking multimillionaire now. So uh, yeah, good for him. Out. Than <laughs> you. you don't need your ranger tab to be successful. Yeah, correct, boys. correct. I do feel like we need to address the elephant in the room for the YouTube uh, viewers that uh, Mike Lever has drugged us all. So <laughs> I can't. Okay. Help I didn't take any. Well, but no, I'm, I'm boner I'm, pill. I'm actually gonna explain the fact that there was a fella came in. He had a nootropic. So whatever a uh, like a, a roofie is, this is the opposite. Yes. This is a, this is a ceilingy. Yeah. And the only floor. smart one. Well, no, Flory would be a. Because you're going up. It's a. And, it's an upper. Well, yeah. what's a nootropic? I don't even no. know what the hell a nootropic is. It, it could be you know the shout out to like Alpha Brain. That's like a cortisol mushroom oh, thing okay. that it's helps brain cognitive thing. correct yes yeah, brain okay. stuff. Yeah. we all need that by the way yeah this one's too much yeah <laughs> whatever it is it's too much and the yeah. only one that didn't take it and smartest in the room is the female veteran yeah as opposed to all of our blue ass tongues yeah i'm doing i'm sweating profusely right i'm <laughs> sweating profusely i only didn't take it because he said something about it being a boner pill and i was like yeah. mm, that's probably not for me but i have a boner <laughs> and i'm sweating profusely i'm nervous because like i said i started with a boner and then took it. Yeah. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's great, though. Yeah. Nootropic, it's good. Alpha Brain is good. Yeah. Too. Oh, it's I take It's fantastic. Yeah. That's my I've go-to. It's expensive as hell, though. Yeah, it's like, what is it, about four bucks a day? Yes. Ish. It's it, yeah. My, yeah. one bottle, the black bottle, the new one, uh, I got at Whole Foods, like 80 bucks or something. Yeah. Did they sell like it at Whole Foods? Do you like it better than yeah, the original? They, yes. Yeah. I haven't yeah, tried that, it yet. I actually feel it versus the other one. I just didn't feel. Hold on. No offense against Alpha Brain or on it, but the original bottle you took too. The yeah. fancy pants black bottle that's glass, which is awesome. I also use it as a spitter. You take four. So is it really? Oh, you're just mm. doubling the dose, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Sorry, Joe Rogan. Not that you'll ever listen. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever makes the blue pill, the boner pill, man, shout out to boner pills. Because I'm feeling right now. Boner pill nootropics. <laughs> it's truly a Veterans Day podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to think. And one of the subjects I wanted to talk about was where can you remember, can any of you remember, I know I'm putting everybody on the spot, but were you ever deployed during Veterans Day? That's why I was asking you about our first push in yeah, Afghanistan. We, I have been, but I wasn't that wasn't that one. Yeah, no. I can't think of We were there like Was Blessing Winter eight, Strike? Blessing he died on Winter Strike, yeah. I don't remember if that was November. I don't remember when that was. That was in the neighborhood. I don't remember exactly either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was deployed multiple Novembers. Yeah, I uh, was as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think every rotation that I did, because we had a playbook. You know, you're in the mm -hmm. playbook was over Veterans Day, so every one of them. So I got home at the end of November for every rotation for every year. So mm -hmm. every year was Veterans Day, and I don't even remember us. Even speaking about it, now that you said it was like, yeah. we never even talked I, about it. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. but I do remember being it. Sorry, I stepped right on you. No, no, go ahead. Um, I do remember running a selection, and a buddy of mine, Mike, 
was like came in one day and he had a case of the ass because we were working on a veterans day this is states <laughs> doing a stateside selection yeah and his his way to rectify it was in the warehouse he put up a giant american flag and after that he just felt better He's like, hey, and he just oh, said, yeah. like, he just said, yeah. like, hey, guys, I want everybody to remember today's Veterans Day. It's an important fucking day. Yeah. And but when you're working in, yeah. on active duty, are you technically I, not? It wasn't active duty. Oh. Yeah, it was later. It oh, was, okay, okay. It was, you're it was a veteran. contractor life. Yeah, so yeah. you're a veteran. Lots of veterans. I really You're still can't technically remember. a veteran on active duty, though, right? It's just are like you? Once, I believe so. Like, I, once you sign that paper, like, you're, you're a veteran, oh, I, I feel it. like. Yeah. I feel like that's the. Them's the rules. Really, I, I ever know. noticed Veterans Day when I was I in the army. I nope, I didn't either. Me neither. Yeah. No, when I when I was a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in the nineties, this is pre obviously pre nine eleven. I did. It was very important at Arlington National Cemetery because it was a big deal. We did a uh, wreath laying ceremony, and I actually did Clinton's wreath laying ceremony hmm. when he was there. So I was the guard that the sergeant of the guard gives the wreath presents the wreath to him and he walks with the wreath but i was the guard who was on shift that hour that was in the box just standing there looking stoic and weird right um but i do remember it always having a impact because it was around arlington national cemetery and everybody flooded to a and c to celebrate or to remember veterans day and give and give back so it wasn't actually until 2008 i think that i went to arlington mm-hmm. and man you don't understand. You see the pictures, but you don't understand how like sombering that whole thing oh, is man. until you're standing there just looking at the rows and rows and rows. It's crazy. Of you know, father. First and time I daughters. ever. Sorry. First mm. time I ever went to uh, Arlington was for Josh Wheeler's mm. uh, funeral because every other funeral that ever happened for people that I served with, I was deployed when they yeah. were. Right. So it was, yeah, that was like my first time seeing Arlington was for a funeral. I just went this year. First time saw it, and I was at the Iwo Jima Memorial at like four o'clock in the morning. No one was there, and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. super sombering. Right? Yeah. yeah. Was it Section Sixty? Is the section from the GWAT? I think that's where Wheeler's. Yeah, buried in Section Sixty. But I went there two months ago, and the tomb guards gave me a tour. Um, you know, I worked there, and it's, nothing's really changed in twenty years. Um, but I got the opportunity to kind of do the tour of the tomb and talk to the new tomb guards and share stories and then make my way around. But it always has it had the same impact it had on me when I was 18 years old, had the same profound impact later. Well, I was going to ask that. So, I mean, obviously you were in pre-war. What did that feel like when you saw it as an 18-year-old versus when you came back after doing an extensive amount of time overseas? Yeah, it was weird because, I mean, you know, you guys were in Ranger Battalion. I, I joined the Army to be in Ranger Battalion. Mm-hmm. And I joined when I was 17 years old and did four years in the infantry and I had an option 40 contract, a Ranger contract guaranteed by the recruiter. And at the time they were designating MOSs or job specialties based on position where you were standing in formation. Like in Fort Benning, they were like, first platoon, you're 11 Bravos. Second platoon, you're Charlie's. Third platoon, you're Hotels. Uh, fourth platoon, you're Mike's. Oh, shit. And so I was 11 Hotel. And at the end of basic training, they're like, uh, I said, hey, the, the RIP instructors, the Ranger Indoctrine uh, Program uh, instructors just picked up the Ranger students. Why am I not in that? Like, I, I am an option 40. And they said, there's no 11 hotels in Ranger Battalion. You should have told us. I'm like, 
I'm an E1. I don't even have like, <laughs> I don't even have Frank on that my shirt. That sounds about right. And, and so I got kind of screwed. And luckily for me, I was 6'1 and what, you know, third infantry regiment, probably like Asians because it diversified their ranks. <laughs> so, you know, they they said, hey, you're going, we'll, we'll give you an opportunity, but you got to go to the old guard. And then you can put a 4187, which is like the magic word, which is yeah. bullshit, right? It's 4187, and then you could just transfer, laterally transfer. So when I went there, I was bummed out, man, because all I wanted to do was be in Ranger Battalion. And I was obviously not living that dream. So I went to the Two and the Unknown Soldier, went to Ranger School, went to Airborne School, did everything I could. And at that time period, I was, like, mad at the Army. And I got out of the Army September 3rd of 2001, with a bad attitude, mm. kind of feeling like I got screwed. And and even was going to re-up to go to stay in the Army as a young E5. I was a 20-year-old E5, had a Ranger tab, was super squared away. And I said, I want I want sniper school and free fall school en route to uh, Ranger Battalion. Third Ranger Battalion is where I wanted to go. And they said, uh, free fall is not a, a reenlistment option, which I found out later. That's true. It it's is. Not a, it's, it, it can be sure. with a waiver. But at the time, it wasn't like a, you could get that without having somebody you knew. And I said, if you can't give me that, I'm not going to stay in the Army. I was so bummed out. And I didn't do that. And a buddy of mine I went to Rainer School with from the old guard as a PFC took that route, jumped into Rhino DZ mm-hmm. with third bat, and I'm sitting at Fort Living Room going, Dude, what the hell? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Like, 9-11 happened a week after I got out. Mm-hmm. So after looking back on that experience, I really didn't appreciate it, even though it was humbling seeing all the people, um, the World War II vets mostly, that were coming in. After an experience of war and then going back to the place, you realize, like, everything these dudes do, the guards do, is for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they represent the best of Americans' military service members. And back in the day, we did it because we were kind of competing with each other. Like, you're a shitbag if you if you look like crap as a guard. But now it's more serious. It's like you look you're a shitbag because you're making our country look like shit. And all the men and women who have paid in blood uh, over the global war on terror, and that's more significant. Mm -hmm. So I I think going back to it, I was like very humbled by the experience, man. Interesting. It's weird you wanted to go to third bet. That's what, that's what I gleaned from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted to go RD. Oh, okay. Uh, all yeah. I heard was this this Ranger Recon Detachment. They do these secret missions. They're a tier one organization. And I heard they're at Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hated Fort Benning. But I was like, hated it. Be, I'll be near the flagpole. I'll go to all the schools and just make my life uh, RD. And then got screwed by the army. Interesting story. <laughs> because along with that, I wanted 275. Because I wanted to get as far the fuck away from the East Coast as possible. My roommate wanted 375. We had our wish list. It didn't work. We got... <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. We got the reverse. But he had some, like a sick, I don't know, parent, somebody. And I remember walking up. I can't remember the dude's name. But he was super scary. Like spider web tattoo on his elbow. <laughs> all the shit. He, again, he won like, hey, Sergeant. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, my ranger buddy wants to stay here in third bat. And I'd like to go to second bat where he got assigned. And he gave me like the, go, f-. okay. I was like, oh, shit. It worked. It was awesome. Because earlier, I think Wait, it was- Wait, it really w- worked? It did work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, on Sunday, I'm sitting at Wendy's on Victory Drive. Delicious. L- delicious. delicious. But I also- restaurant. I'm also looking at like, 
homeless dudes and ranger joes and it's hot as fuck and this song comes on and it goes this is home about 10 times that was like fuck my life (laughs) monday i'm in there like hey can we switch we switch i had zero regrets i love it i would never change it except when we stayed in afghanistan for six months yeah third bat did the invasion to iraq when we were supposed to that was rough you so you would have jumped in uh, more uh, likely, or was it so the rotation light? correct me because i was young and you were in leadership but we would have ripped back because and then we would have been up for the invasion yeah. but there was an agency check that stood up and was like we know where ubl is right now yeah which left everybody on the ground oh. but it was torturous because it was like you're going home in two weeks you're staying a week you're staying a week you're going home Six in two you're st- for another three months oh yeah. gosh yeah and meanwhile the rest of the regiments in Iraq, like rescuing Jessica Lynch and jumping into H one and H two, and, and you guys and were just places. sitting in Afghanistan. We were doing shit. Yeah, yeah. Or you were running missions. Yeah, we yeah. were doing stuff. We went out to like, Gardez, and it wasn't. That's where great. I got shot. Oh no, shit! Yeah. You got nice. shot in Gardez. Mm-hmm. What happened? Tell me, tell me that story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was doing a simple mission, uh, dropping off an Alaskan tent for uh, the AMP out there, and. We were at provincial headquarters and dropping off ammo in a tent, and we're going to go right back. It's not even my fucking squad. I, like, volunteered to gun behind the 50. The only We took three trucks, a crow system, an ASV, and then me in the open turret on a 50. This must have been early on because now it's like you have a 50-truck minimum, and you're only in a three-truck convoy. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was early. It was uh, 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That um, was bad. That was uh, yeah. It was yeah. it was rough. It was a yeah. rough deployment. But um, yeah, so I was just loading up into the truck. Trucks open, um, basically in a fishbowl. You guys are familiar? You've been in the mm-hmm. PHQ. Yeah. So you know you're in a fishbowl right there, and we only have three trucks. We're a little lackadaisical mm-hmm. for sure. I was like out eating fucking cookies. It was December, so I'm like eating Christmas cookies, no gear, like ha ha ha, you know, whatever. Just drop in a tent. Go to mount up. I'm putting my my headset on and uh here pop 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 i'm like ah silly afghans like whatever you know yeah. shots in the hair ting 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 i was like oh wait boom hits me in the back of my legs i fall forward bust my knee out and i was like in shock i was like all right not too much blood i'm okay i'm okay i was like i've been hit like oh, i was shit. just like <laughs> did you fall to the turret when you got hit no i was like not even standing on the turret. i was standing in front of the turret putting on my gear like the headset that i literally just put on was like shot through like i heard oh, like yeah, oh so like, you were in the provincial headquarters yeah i was inside so the you're pro- like in a secure perimeter correct yeah okay. so i was inside the compound had the door open to the mrap and they shot directly into the fucking door as i was like mounting up putting my gear on they shot my radios out so then and my headset and so i couldn't hear anything um i got them to shut the door screaming at the driver he's a mechanic i'm like shut the door shut the door he couldn't shut it i'm like try to jump up in front i like end up shielding him from all the bullets which like honestly not my intention i'm like turn this fucking car around if i go that way i'm getting shot in the face for sure mm-hmm. and um so we, t- we get the door shut get up and i'm like 
pissed at this point. Like, adrenaline hits, and I'm like, fuck these motherfuckers. I could see them through the window shooting, yeah. and I'm like, I'm going up, and I just start rocking the 50. And I guess they're, like, screaming eventually, like, no crew serves in the city, but I'm, like, taking this building down. <laughs> no crew <laughs> serves in the city. Like, go right? fuck, fuck I just got shot. Right? I'm, like, it's bleeding out. Yeah. I'm, like, the only one shooting back. Crow system failed. ASV gunner said that he could see them shooting at me, but the, his guns were up like this. So, like, my head, I'm like, fix your fucking weapons. Like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. I'm the only one firing back for this. maybe the first 10 minutes of what was a three-hour firefight. Oh, fuck. And so I'm not only getting shot at, but then the AMP are above me shooting that way, too. So I'm like, oh, like, on the 50. <laughs> but like, mad. Yeah, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, but I was mad. Like, adrenaline's a hell of a drug. But, uh, yeah. I got shot there in Gardez, took a bunch of shrapnel, a bunch of my radio was in my legs, some fragmented bullets. Did they have stuff. to put a, a tourniquets on? No, it like cauterized. Like that's when I, I wiped my legs after I was blown over and I was like, okay, it's not that much blood. It's not that much blood, I'm fine. Crazy. I and feel like a big old pussy. Right I was now. like, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a pussy. I thought I had some, uh, some fucking donuts, like funnily enough, because I was also an MNMP. And mm-hmm. so. And a box of donuts from the chow hall before we rolled out that morning. And, like, I thought I had stepped on the raspberry donuts, but this is my boot full of blood. I remember looking down and be like, oh, I stepped on donuts. Fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what a weird, you know? Damn. I was like, oh, that's blood. I like, just when fucked I- up a jelly donut. <laughs> raspberry. Oh, that's blood. It tastes like iron. That's weird. What's the ra- how did it work? How, three hours. What was the sustained gunfight? Why did it last so long? How, they had they the higher ground on us. There was yeah. a lot of them in the building. I think it was like a hotel mm-hmm. that they were doing renovations on. That's like right across from the provincial headquarters. Hmm. Um, yeah, they just had the higher ground. We were stuck. We were stuck. And this is in the city. In, yeah. Oh wow. So ODA big. comes. So I see a Humvee rolling up. They have the minigun, but then he fucking jumps out of the tree. He's the only other person that got hurt in the firefight. Uh, he jumped out and broke his leg jumping off the truck. Oh, the like, guy? Oh, yeah. shit. Big fat guy? Like, yeah. No, yeah. He's he, I don't think he was. right now about how badass he is in a gunfight he got in Gordon. How'd you break he your leg? He came in for them donuts. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I heard yeah. you got the donuts, girl. I'm coming. I'm he was like, is that jelly fill? <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the minigun. I'm hungry. Yeah, so I think like. Two other, like from Lightning, QRF came from Gardez, actual QRF came, like one of our own guys from my company. So, where'd you go from we, there? Did you go? It, I, well, Gardez was much different when we were there. Was there a medical capability in Gardez proper, the base? No, and um, I didn't even go. I healed in country. So I went back to the fob. I tried to eat fucking. I tried to eat lunch. They held chow for me, and I'm like, still, my adrenaline's pumping. You know, we did the BDA finally. Uh, we're going back. We're like pulling up to the fob. Everyone's on the Hesco's, like, Whoa! you know, scream because I mean they could hear us like oh, lighting yeah. shit up for hours. So, yeah, we come back in. We get a, a good warm welcome. They held chow for us. I'm like, you have to go like right now. And I'm like, no, I can eat. Like it's fine. It's fine. I'm hungry. I'm so yeah. hungry. <laughs> Just <laughs> drop my donuts. Yeah. On the ground. <laughs> I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I like I got my food, everything. But when I went to go sit down, like my adrenaline just was gone and, and I, yeah and oh. i was like oh, okay now we can go and then when i looked i was like okay that's a lot worse than i thought but yeah, yeah adrenaline was a did you have anybody tick check you like did somebody say like hey drop your shit let me see your legs yeah to yeah check. yeah okay they did and then they were like go and then the, i was just being stubborn and arguing i was like no i'm fine i'm fine and they're like you're absolutely not finally they're like you're fucking not fine at all like you have to go oh my god right yeah take me oh i couldn't it's walk crazy. anymore that is <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, but I healed in country, so. How much longer were you there? 
like five more months, four more months. Oh, damn. Damn. Yeah. I would have been like, I'm hurt. I want to go home. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I go to country. I also got blown up on that deployment. After Stayed. that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Afghanistan is. I miss Good. Afghanistan, though. It's my favorite trips with Afghanistan. Yeah. But they're the most dangerous. Yeah. Like, Iraq was dangerous, but different. Afghanistan's a different kind of dangerous. I was there 9, 10, 11, and 12. I was. My best trip I ever had was in 10. Yeah. And I was in Kunduz. Mm-hmm. It's uh, west of Mazar Sharif, up on the other side of the valley, north, north, north Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, I was RC East, and then, um, then I was in Kandahar. Oof. Do you think being an MP, like, like people always go, oh, being in special operations is the most dangerous job in the military. I'm like, like being a cook in the 82nd Airborne Division on a fucking 50 cal on Rod Irish is the most dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, you're like, yeah. hey, we need somebody to gun. Like what? I haven't. You shot this thing. Right? No, let me show you how it works. Get on the gun. Just drive, and that's dangerous. Did you ever find like, I mean, your job being a military police officer, typically CONUS would be, I don't know if you call it internal affairs, but you'd be dealing with soldiers and shit, and then you go outside the country, you go to Afghanistan, and you're dealing with, hey, you're going to be training these these A and P, or you're going to be doing whatever. So. I never really worked the road a whole lot. Like, we had a res- when I was stationed in Germany and before my first appointment, we had a reserve unit that did all the law enforcement and we just trained tactically. So oh. I felt super prepared. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were out in the field for months. Like, so in that regard. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's dangerous, I think, just because we work so closely with our counterparts and some of them are amazing, obviously, as you all know. But then, you know, you eat dinner with them and then they turn their weapons on you yeah did you have any of that yeah not me personally but someone yeah yeah what is that called the green on blue green on yeah it's something it's a color green on green green on blue is it green on blue yeah which is afghans on them or indigenous on on americans yeah Yeah. which is shitty man that that's i have a couple friends that have been involved like shot up and killed by that yeah i think the the and i've had several experiences and, and different things in Afghanistan, but some of the scariest moments were when nothing was happening, but I'm sergeant of the guard. My guys are in towers. It's, it's, we're in Kandahar, provincial headquarters, wherever, and uh, I have to go do tower checks, and it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning, and it's just me by myself. I've had an Afghan, like, pull his knife on me. I've had them, like, like cycle around and, like, on yeah. me. Was it because was it because they didn't know you were coming or you surprised them or was it literally aggressive? No, so the knife was because I wouldn't be his friend, and so and I knew I like at that point I was like I could shoot you right now, but I know what it's like to shoot another human, and I don't really want to do that. Like Mm -hmm. you're not worth it. Um, But yeah, it's because I wouldn't talk to him or give him that attention. They ended up throwing him in the jail. It was like a weird situation. Hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, the police chief who is since passed threw him in jail and um the cycling the round again i had i was sog and this afghan was just pointing his at all in the towers like pointing his um what's the russian machine gun pkm pkm yeah he was like pointing it and they call me i'm like what the hell and so i go and he points it right at my head cycles around and but i told him i was like at this point i'd already been shot before so i was like if he's gonna shoot me i wouldn't have time to think about it 
Yeah. So he's not. I'm pretty certain he's not going to shoot me. But if he does, shoot him back. But don't because it's going to be a mess. Like if I had every right, I could have shot him. I could have taken him out right there, mm-hmm. because he's like cycled around right at my head. Yeah, it's That's, intent. You're done. Yeah, yeah you're I, done. Uh, I would have been in the right, but I was like, uh, it's going to be a shit show, because then it will be what is it, green on blue. Yeah. It would have been really bad. So Was he just being weird? Yeah, he went to jail, too. He was just being weird. He was just, like, cycling it and, like, being God, weird. And you they, touch like, a PKM like that, that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. It's super scary. Yeah. Well, to have the wherewithal to control that situation and not do it when you had intent. I mean, that's what the yeah, lawyers are Yeah, I got an award for not shooting someone for that. <laughs> Valorous <laughs> restraint. <laughs> there was that one. There was that, yeah. Yeah, it came up for a while. Yeah, I had some pretty, not, nothing that bad, but, like, some, some very, 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 like, tense moments with even our indage who were like very 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 vetted yeah you know and they would just you know it was a couple of missions where we had some civ casts and they were not fucking happy about it and it's like hey you were out here too dickhead you yeah. know yeah and, but they you know how some of them are and they just be like Rah, like freaking out and i was like take that motherfucker's gun from him yeah and he is done are you you, it, was it were you using the afghan partnering guys yeah yeah, yeah. they were yeah. squared away man but they're they just the top tiered guys, I think RRD trained those guys up initially, and or RRC, but they're they live there, so yeah. they're always going to be emotional. Like I seen the same. I used to run APU for JSOC, not for the entire JSOC, but for a, a, a unit. And I was like, these guys are rad, but dude, they scare the shit out of me. And we had an instance where we pulled bolts or pulled firing pins mm-hmm. because there was intel. Guys got in trouble for it, and mm-hmm. it just. American guys got in trouble for. It. I'm like, guys, they got in trouble for pulling for pulling their fire for zones. mitigating risk. Yeah, because Corilla, like, you know, Corilla, like, I mean, Corilla for the for the great things that he did. I think for a lot of uh, military organizations, including the regiment, he also was a dickhead in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and so some of the things that he did, he's just like, we, we got to show the Afghans that we're partnered with them and that they could trust us. So those dudes need to burn, and they didn't burn. I mean, they were forced retired. But I get it, you know. It's I like, took all their HE. They weren't. I didn't let them have grenades or anything. Yeah. You know, they they can have their their fucking pea shooters and that's it. Yeah. But you know, and talking all this shit, like that, that I had like a few instances because, like you said, they're fiery. They're like super emotional. Yes, emotional. Um, yeah. But I also had instances where they were like straight savage. Oh like, yeah. We had a lot of them get killed, like doing very courageous shit. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, my my last trip, I think we had three of them get killed. Like wow. in the span of like a week, and it didn't, it didn't make them not want to do shit. Yeah, you know what I mean, it like, made them want to do it more. Yeah, toward, and you know, and like you said, it goes back to like, and I've talked about this before. When a lot of dudes who come from like combat arms or soft backgrounds, they'll be like, they'll hear that you know somebody who was a a pack clerk has PTSD. And they're like, oh, why the fuck? And I'm like, dude, because they're not prepared. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I get in a gunfight, I'm like. All right, this is fine. I, I know what I'm doing it. here. Yeah, you know, but disappointing when it doesn't happen. If you're if you're not prepared, like if I had to go and play in a in an NBA game, like I would be freaked the fuck out because I don't know how to play ba- fucking basketball. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I imagine that too. Like yeah. you're just getting dunked on, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm, like I'm fucking embarrassed. Like these are just. God damn it, LeBron. Yeah, but you know those guys. They they were trained about as well as you could train them, but they still, they didn't have the fucking tools we had to like fight at night and like fight in confined spaces and do all these things that we are really good at that they were in the end forced to do. Mm-hmm. And 
they still they still ponied up and like ran to the gu- sound of the guns most of the time. Yeah, you know? I, I love the indig we worked with. They're great dudes. Are you ready to get caffeinated? Well, be on the lookout for Black Rifle Coffee's massive Veterans Day sale. Use code Veteran for twenty percent off site wide at BlackRifleCoffee.com. It's the perfect time to stop and grab some winter merch and America's best coffee that warms the freedom-loving soul. So roll on over to BlackRifle.com on Veterans Day, and the sale ends on November 13th. Hmm. Moment of silence. What are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> How's everybody's boner? Happy Veterans Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, Mine's it, good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, those worst stories you're telling me is getting me all worked up. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's the, it's the blue tongues. It's the blue tongue. Now you got bonus for real. This is a new game. We need to just slip these little nootropics into people's. Dude, I, I bet you Evan is walking around right now. Just Relax. He's forgotten. Dude, he's like on the phone, like doing paces around the company. Well, Evan's shit was super blue, much like Jericho's, if you need a reference. And I can guarantee that he's forgotten. Oh, yeah. And he's maybe dressing somebody down or having an important <laughs> talk and they're thinking i'm not gonna say shit to him yeah Nothing. his teeth are blue well, i wonder just, if anyone has said anything that like everyone's just scared to say something i kind of have like a desire to go do math yeah. really yeah like math i feel math. just wait, wait, analytical wait, wait, wait. what's yeah. that math math or math, math. yeah <laughs> spell i've already done math. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do we don't do math in public that's a that's a standing rule okay you have to know that so real quick you didn't go to Ranger Battalion. You came back in yeah. and did SF things. Did you go straight away, or did you have to come back in and then do the thing? No, I went straight in. So I basically went in through a um, – at the time, it's basically 18 X-ray. It's before it, – well, 18 X-ray program, which is like an option to slot you in 18 series. Mm-hmm. It's a recruiting sc- scheme because basically taking dudes off the street and bringing them in. Yeah, yeah. So it, they did that in the 80s to get the numbers up. I remember it distinctly. Like they yeah. did it, they took it away, they and then took they it away, it back in. and they brought it back. So when I when I I was in the National Guard, I was in a scout platoon in 30th Heavy Separate Brigade in North Carolina. I was going to college, and then I said, "Hey, I want to get back in." I talked to the active duty recruiter. Almost went com- a combat controller because they were treating me professionally and like, "Oh, you're a Ranger qualified. You don't have to do the two week past assessment uh, in in Texas." They said I can go straight to the pipeline. I was like. Holy crap, like these dudes are squared away. Uh, they, he actually picked up the phone and called the schoolhouse and said, hey, I got a guy here, he's an E5, infantry, has a ranger tab, what can we do for him? And the guy on the end of the line was like, he doesn't have to do the pass, we can send him straight to the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And the dude's in a suit and tie, I'm like, holy fuck, these dudes are squared away. So the past was the uh, PT test, that's what you're referring well, to? No, there's the a, AST, I think It's a is... selection, it's like a two-week selection. Is that, where they weed people is that what they used to call INDOC? Okay, so, no. INDOC is... They're, the it's PJs face. and controllers. Correct. So yeah. that that is indoc. Yeah. Um, however, the controllers go to something. I don't know what the fuck it is, yeah. but it's like a tactics phase thing. I wonder if it wasn't that. I don't yeah. know what it's called. Can't he, remember. They waived like a few weeks of training, mm, and they're yeah. like, you basically just report. And I think I had to go to the small unit tactics thing, but I didn't have to go to the selection for the small unit tactics thing or something mm, like that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible. It was so. Thing. It was, but it was so professionally done. And it was so proactive. Like it, he was like, "So what's your your deal, your situation?" And we 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 work through it. He makes phone calls. I'm like, "Holy crap!" Versus, I go to the army recruiter and I'm sitting down with him, and I'm in uniform because they, oh. they told me to show up in uniform mm-hmm. uh, because you'll have a, a better likelihood of getting what you want when you go back to 30th aid or 
what is it called? Not 30th AG. That's in at Benning. But basically go through the MEPS. MEPS. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go through MEPS, even though I was an E5 in the Guard who had prior service. Because at that time, even, um, you know, this is a few weeks after 9-11, nobody knew in the recruiting system how to take prior enlisted guys off the street and bring them on. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. Except that after 9-11, mm-hmm. we had to create new protocols. So the Army recruiter's like, guy, I want to help you out. But I got a list of dudes behind you that are going to join. And I'm like, but I've been through basic and AIT. Like, I can go straight to the unit. And like, dude, I don't have anything. I don't have paragraph and lines, authority. There's no mechanism. There's no mechanism. Yeah. So he, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to go to SF. I want to go 18, 18 series. I want to be an uh, SF guy. So I think a paragraph and line just kind of came up. And they're like, we could slot you for selection. But if you go to selection, you fail your needs at the military. And this is 2001, and I went to selection in 2002 and was successful. And thank God the rest was history because it was all behind me. Mm-hmm. But if I would have failed, I would have been 80, I would have been an airborne unit, so it would have been like 82nd Airborne Division, whatever. But I, I finished and went straight into SF right after that, the Q course and the rest of my career. Yeah. How much time lapsed when you first got out and then went back? Just like a few weeks. Um, Total, after everything was said and done, six months to a year, somewhere around there. Because I had to do, dude, I had to go. They actually sent me to 30th AG. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, um, actually, you know what's crazy is when I went to 30th AG, I had a tab. Because when I went through the, I think when I went through selection, I was still slotted as a guardsman, mm. but I was slotted as a 20th group guy. Mm-hmm. And so when I got my tab, that's when they transitioned me because there was like a weird deal. The guard had the 18 series or 18 X-ray program. Mm-hmm. Active duty didn't have it. So I think that's how they got around it. So I was a guardsman technically going through the Q course, but was guaranteed an active duty slot. So when I finished, I had a tab and had to go to 30th AG as a tabbed, I believe I was a staff sergeant in E6. And people were like, what are you, like, I'm literally in line with kids. For chow? For chow, like everything. And they're like, uh, can I help you, Sergeant? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just want chow. <laughs> they told me to come here. Are I you no sleeping idea. in the barracks and everything? In the barracks and everything. Yeah, so for people that don't know, 30th AG, 30th AG is where you get off, like, you, you leave your hometown like you fly to Columbus, Georgia, you get on a bus and the bus takes you to 30th AG. It's where yeah. you go before you even go to basic training. Yeah. It's where you get your head shaved and you get your fucking uniform and all that shit. Did they <laughs> shave your head? No, they didn't. <laughs> they, I was in line though to get that. Du- I was in the line when we got off the bus mm-hmm. and uh, one of the drills pulled me out and he's like, what do you, what's your deal? I'm like, dude, I don't know. They told me to get on this bus. Like I'm, I'm coming here from the recruiting station. I, I think I left like the version of third or uh, MEPS. And they told me to get on the bus, and they said, you can just sort it out when you get down range. But classic Army. So I show up, and they're like, uh, just stay the in the barracks. Sort- I mean, I'm outranking the guys in reception because the reception guys are E5s, yeah. right? None of the drills are there. They're you're like, in the top like bunk. standing at parade rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a long tab and shit. They're like, who the fuck is this? They're dude? like, all right, you're on the top bunk. You're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I'm on the bottom bunk. I am putting my uh, – Yeah, but it was, it was about six months to a year. It wasn't that long, but it was an – arduous process because it was just new to the experience nobody knew but you knew within a few weeks you're like oh i'm going back oh yeah that's when you started trying the day so here (laughs) 
I was in Fayetteville Technical Community College on 9-11 on terminal leave. Hmm. 9-11 happens. A week later, I get notified that 30th Heavy Separate Brigade, the National Guard unit I'm with, which I drilled with once, was going to get activated. And when I knew that was going to happen, I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, no offense to the National Guard. 19th and 20th, which I was in, is great. But that unit, when I drilled with them during an FTX, I was like, we're all going to die. Yeah. Like, we are all going to die. Dude. Well, there was no funding. The quals were very there was, sporadic. Yeah, it was, you know, it's yeah. Clinton era. A, a thing. Yeah, exactly. I remember, fuck, the late 90s, like, I had to buy my own toilet paper and shit because, like, there was no fucking funding. Nothing. But I do know in Ranger Battalion, it was a known thing, like – especially BCO 275, we call it the BCO curse. Like, if you leave and go to another unit, you're going to get seriously wounded or die. Like, no, seriously. There, There's, I can think of fucking four dudes off the top of my head. They got out or left, went to other units, deployed, and got seriously fucked up or killed. Because you still act like a ranger, mm-hmm. but yeah. you're not with rangers that have your back. So you, you take a lot more risk, but you don't necessarily have the... The top cover to take those risks um so yeah it's it is scary having being like a super well-trained person that's used to working around other super well-trained people and then you go and fight with a group that isn't so well-trained yeah i think that's the benefit of being i think that's a benefit of um kind of the sf pipeline when i went through you had to have prior military experience serving in a regular army unit because it was before 18 x-ray program officially existed so you appreciated what the regular army was and then what you were getting into. Mm. So when everybody was complaining about, like, dude, what is this? I'm like, at least you're not in the regular army. Because trust me, it, it sucks, and the, the lowest common denominator there is real low, like bottom of the barrel. I, I remember being in free fall doing PJ stuff in Yuma, and uh, I ran into my first, like, X-ray guy. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't know about that because I just didn't pay attention. Yeah, you know that's, I mean? what our, that's what every service went to Yuma, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody was there. Yeah. Um, and I run into an E6, and I'm like, cool, man. So, like, where you been? What are you doing? He's like, I'm nothing, man. I'm like, I'm not going to free <laughs> I fall. just showed up. This, yeah, this is in, like, 2006, six, seven, something yeah. like that. I go, were you, like, new guy? He's like, yeah, I haven't deployed anywhere, man. I'm, like, just getting free fall. That's I'm actually fine. something, like, because you, you – I guess you kind of saw both sides. But, like, so say when Travis, my brother, you know, was a new guy in a team, right? came from third ranger battalion but he's the new guy how did group like change the culture to assimilate new guys that were that were x-rays like you get like you said there's a dude who shows up on a team he's your junior whatever you have to actually treat him like a new guy yeah so yeah. was there a, was there a, like a dynamic shift there or did did sops change or was it just kind of a uncommunicated thing like because or or i guess i'll give you like a scenario so like if i'm a brand new 18 bravo just got out of the q course and i'm my my buddies and 18 charlie just got out of the q course we show up to the same team i've been in the army for five years he's a he's an x-ray like what are the differences do they like size you up or do they kind of treat everybody different or yeah when when i was a team sergeant you know, I, I had a sniper team, so my guys had to have Sephardic, Sodic, Freefall. So they had to have a lot of training prior to showing up. And interestingly enough, half of my team was at 18 X-rays. 
And what I found, you know, Tim Kennedy is an 18 X-ray. He's one of the first classes of 18 mm -hmm. X-rays. I think like the second or third class. Most 18 X-rays that made it completely through the pipeline were the most intelligent and capable dudes. Now they had, some of them had egos, but they were super capable. Mm -hmm. So if like, Damon or Travis, your brother, who he, we were sniper teammates together. He is actually my cell leader in in the SIF. Um, when we were when we were together, if I showed up new to a team and I had a ranger tab, respect. Now know your position in place, but when it comes to running indige, when it comes to tactics, I'm going to lean on you and your expertise. You're an 18 X-ray. You just showed up. What did you do prior? Were you a banker? Were you a you know, were you a physical fitness teacher? Like, what, what did you do that had that experience? Because you had to have some life experience. Mm -hmm. And so what I found is most 18 x-rays who showed up to the team brought some other asset to bear mm -hmm. versus a technical skill set. And, and my 18 x-rays that showed up to my team, I would encourage them and make them go to ranger school. Because I, I sent two of my guys to ranger school because they showed up. They didn't have any small unit tactics experience. I said, hey, if you want to sharpen the, the learning curve for yourself and save you a lot of time, maybe even years, go to ranger school. And the guys that I sent to ranger school and that came back were like, I'm glad you sent me to ranger school because now, now I understand. And I could be that subject matter expert. But for the most part, most 18 x-rays that I've experienced are super squared away, man. Yeah. And, and they typically were smarter because they were re recruited with higher GT scores and aptitude. Um, so some of the issues that you got with active duty guys who had bad habits or institutional things, they, I, this is how it's done. Those guys, um, the 18 x-rays were more shapeable mm -hmm. versus an old crusty fucking dude who, who, who his way was the highway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That, that does make a lot of sense. I, I've had the question asked, um, in different areas, like why, what makes a good PJ? You know, cause I've seen both sides. I said the PJs that succeed are the ones that were exceptional because they dealt with the bullshit. They got through indoc, you know, we lost 80% of the dudes, but it's the person that can learn information you know, in a didactic or, or drilling or rock drill situation. I don't know what didactic means. <laughs> That's because you're PJ and I'm from uh, in a classroom. Oh, okay. Right. So you like show it on the whiteboard, you drill it, and then you practice it, and then you go do it. But they could take that information, they could metabolize it quickly, and then apply it. Like that was the strength of them, which doesn't sound too different than an expert. I don't understand what you just said. You're smart. <laughs> so why did you? How did you come become they a PJ from being a Nug Ranger? Um, so I was a section leader, uh, over in the snipers. And at the time we had a couple guys that would go walk for, you know, CAG or whatever else. I, I don't want to be an SF guy and to be 100% candid, yeah. I don't want to deal with indige. Like I'm like, mm, I'm not, I don't want to teach them. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to run with them. Which is most rangers. I yeah. was also super juvenile. I didn't understand, you know, that force multiplier and, yeah. you know, all the benefits at that time. And guys that would go outside of battalion and not make it were not well received coming back. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. So everybody that I saw, you know, running around with Delta guys, they're all older. You know, they were in their 30s. You see them and they look ancient to you at the ripe age of 20 or 21, three, whatever. So I'm like, well, fuck, man. And we would have guys walk and they'd go, hey, great job. Come back in three years. That was a typical thing back then. So I made the most educated decision at the time. I had four deployments under my belt and I wanted something more. You know, I wanted that free fall reenlistment or something learn some more shit. I loved being a ranger, um, but I just needed more education. I wanted to learn more. So we had done some missions and I worked with some PJs and I did what I normally do as a gear queer. And I'm like, it's a fucking cool jacket. 
Like, is that is that issued? Because I bought mine at REI. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, man. Like I got all these solo boots and like all this cool shit. So I thought, all right, you do medicine. You have cool ways to get places to do medicine. I thought, all right, that sounds cool. And it probably offends a lot of PJs, but I don't give a fuck. So I do my little, I had to crack the code on how do you go from the army to the air force? I talked to, I don't know, three different recruiters and active duty wasn't taking sister services. Cause you're still on active duty when you transition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So active duty wasn't taking sister services. So they said, well, you can go to the guard or reserve. I have a family friend named Brenton Lincoln. His family owns Lincoln electric, which is kind of popular everywhere now but most on the east coast at the time and he was the first combat rescue officer so pjs didn't have officers so it was like your highest enlisted person sitting in the briefs and he didn't have the ass behind it basically Mm -hmm. so they wanted to create an officer crow position the crow position so he was the first crow and he was at the two four i call him up and i was like hey dude hey you this is me this is what i'm trying to do and he sent me a map and i just picked a location and applied to patrick air force base and that was a reserve unit went down did my selection and figured it out come to find out that if you were from a special unit like the sf guy or marsoc guy well there was no marsoc then or ranger dude you could go to active duty but the recruiter didn't speak that language Mm -hmm. so that's how i stumbled into this reserve guard thing and did that i just wanted more education and that's where i found myself more military education how long have you been on the reserve or national guard side uh so that was 2005 is when i transitioned and that not like that <laughs> fucking pump your brakes jenna uh, <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> well that blue thing changed it all it Bonker fucked up my surgery um so i started in 2005 did my pipeline you know so i was out for a little less than two years and then i'm still in the guard now but i got out i had a you know full-time position kind of brewing um and then i gave it up to go do other things in 2009 and then i did that from nine until not this summer but the prior summer and then i came to work for black rifle coffee yeah here i am <laughs> the rest is history Ta-da. i did want to hit this real quick because you brought up where you were on 9 11 and we're talking about veterans day we're not talking about 9 11 but i'd like to know what brought you all to the table or where you were at and how that made you feel as a veteran on 9-11. I know where you were at. I was with you, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Where were you, You guys were together, and that's cute. <laughs> um, I was in homeroom. I was in eighth grade on 9-11. Eighth grade? Damn, we're old. Yeah, but what did that feel like? Did you? I, mean, I didn't really know what was happening, honestly. Um, my homeroom teacher put it on the on the TV in homeroom. And homeroom, she, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> she was like upset and i was like twin towers like what the fuck is that like i didn't yeah. i was so ignorant like mm-hmm. i'm eighth grade why do i need to know what the world trade center is you know um i wasn't quite in finance yet um <laughs> was it 13 <laughs> or 13 years old yeah i mean yeah. yeah so however old you are i'm not sure but however old you are in eighth grade and um my uncle was a air traffic controller so he kind of knew what had happened and my aunt came and got me and my cousins out of school mm-hmm. and it was Where's like this panicking at? in that? georgia oh yeah we're at in georgia south of atlanta okay mm-hmm. right south of atlanta and bible pitch tree city no it's actually henry county oh dang yeah henry oh, county i <laughs> know but uh yeah so i went home and watched the news and i 
remember being like, what the fuck is happening? We just went to war. My brother had like, just went to Israel. His girlfriend at the time, her dad like worked in the State Department or something, so we went over to visit her, and I was like... State, State Department. Yeah, <laughs> correct. And uh, so I was like, oh, no, my brother's over there. You know, so <laughs> I remember being sad about that. Um, but I think it fueled my fire. I knew before then that like military was my path. Really? My uh, grandmother was a Marine. Nice. So, oh, yes, yeah, she was a uh, badass. And so I knew that that was my path already. And that kind of just stoked the fire for sure. That like, all right, well, this is for sure what I'm doing with some vengeance, maybe. Yeah, you fuck know? yeah. Was there ever a point where you wavered or that was all the way through? Graduate high school and then straight oh, I went to No, I went to military school. Mm. I, yeah, I Were you a bad kid? Okay, so that's a, that's a different because that's a different conversation. Different podcast. They, they threatened me actually. My parents. Like, I volunteered, um, but I was like getting into some other stuff that I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. and I knew that it was going to affect my life. Like I knew that I wanted to end up in the military, and if I stayed, I probably wouldn't be doing that. Right. So, yeah. So I went to military school, graduated early, and went to MEPS. Like I just fast tracked it. Nice. So that's super rad. I like that. Where are you? Where are you at? Besides being with him, where were you guys at? Yeah. I, I was on my first TDY. I literally showed up on, I think, a Thursday or Friday, and a guy named Parento smoked the shit out of me until <laughs> Monday when I got on a C 17. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. In flight rig to jump into Germany. We had been in Germany for, I only remember how many weekends I got shit hammered as a 19 year old kid or 18, whatever it was. Yeah. And then we were in a mount village. Jericho's told it like in its entirety on a different podcast, but we were just hanging out doing things. And they called us all into this, uh, like a fountain kind of courtyard thing. And I don't remember if it was uh, Tom Wood that put it out or somebody stood up and was like, hey guys, this is Frank Jenny. It was our company commander. Okay. Okay. Stood up and was like, hey, here's the, you know, here's the sit wrapper, you know, kind of put some stuff out. And if anybody has family in these areas, and they started handing out iridiums because at first it was like, is this a training thing? Like, should I go get my snacks? And <laughs> like, we're going to go patrol for I don't know, whatever. Because we walked after that jump to digress a little bit. We jumped and then we walked for 50 fucking it's 50 miles, 50 miles. And people are falling out, dropping like the French. And I'm carrying a Skedco with a sledgehammer, bull cutters and a hooli <laughs> and a 203 thing. And I'm like. This ranger shit is fucking. <laughs> this is a fucking real deal, man. Like my squad ended with like four of us, maybe. Like wow. my squad leader was gone. Like all these people I, bailed out. I forgot about that movement. A dude got smashed on the autobahn. Yeah, Lieutenant Speedbump. <laughs> yep. Yeah. His was yeah. it the was it the so I'm walking along and all I remember is we had a weapon squad leader, Tito. All I remember is him walking like staggered legged and bent over and vomiting. And I can see the light through my shitty 14s, and it's just green, and we're walking down a hill. And then I hear that flesh-packing sound, like, you know, yeah. somebody got smashed. I didn't see shit. But I guess, and clear it up for me, because, again, I was retarded. Um, one of the guys pushed the other guy kind of out of the way and then took a vehicle to his ruck and back. And, like, I just remember seeing something like, like, what did I just watch happen? And then we figure it out. They push across. Medivac comes in. I think they brought in a Hilo, maybe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, flight. And we're all hanging out. I'm like, I'm really tired. Maybe we won't have to continue this. No, we just kept walking. Yeah. And <laughs> then survive. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he man. is fucked up though. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That. And I don't think I've talked about that 
that infill on a podcast before. It was. Here's the hilarious part. My my squad leader at the time was kind of a dirtbag, and I'm brand new. Someone's trying to break in the podcast studio, everybody. I think it's my dog. Yeah. That's yeah. a tail. <laughs> I love it. It's just where we were. That's a it's great. Bowling. So he, he was kind of a dirtbag, and he walks up to me on the C-17. He's like, how tall are you? I was like, six foot. He goes, he hands me the Dragon Missile Jump Pack. I don't even know what it is. And he just... <laughs> They just hook it to me, and I'm like, with the Skidco, Skidco, yeah. and all the shit in it. You're jumping it. Yeah, I was like, all right. So I <laughs> eat out of this aircraft, and everything's all fucked up, normal, you know, normal uh, static line jump, and then everything on Fox. I'm like, this is beautiful, so cool, and then I don't know what to do. So I just lower everything, and it twists into a ball of fuck with my legs stuck in it. I land like a sack of shit, yeah. and it was like that punched in the mouth white, Ooh. like. And I was like, all right, so we're in Germany. So I unfuck all this thing, strap it on my back, and walk for a really long way. Right, you just lead the way. And you guys were, on, like, walking on the Autobahn? We were walking, like, yeah, we walked, like, we walked 50 fucking miles. Yeah. So it was, like, not all on base. It was, like, from, was it Spike, Spike DZ to some, it was a German base where we ended up doing a raid at the end. Yeah. But we had. It's like a soccer field or something, wasn't it? It was an old the base had been a French army base until it closed, and then the Germans took it over. But it was a it was a German army base. <clears throat> but it was actually, I mean, it sucked, but it was actually Beautiful. awesome it because we walked cool. through like German village. We weren't on the autobahn; we were on like we German roads. We did cross it a couple times. Do you remember crossing a field and hearing a garbage concert in the distance? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It was wild. That was. Uh, how many days did this last? It was about two and a half days. We were yeah, fucking it hucking it, man. We were, wow. we walked the whole time. Yeah. Um, that was some old school ranger shit. That was super ranger And our shit. rucks were probably in the neighborhood of 85, 90 pounds. <laughs> so heavy. So full loads. This full. skid coat would just be hanging to one side and I'm countering. <laughs> and like he said, like his squad, my squad was the only squad, no big deal. Yeah. I was a squad leader at the time, a rifle squad leader. My squad was the only squad in the entire company that everybody finished mm -hmm. the movement. Damn. And it was because back then we would carry, I mean, this is how much we can date ourselves here. Oh, we yeah. didn't have a blowout kit yet. Mm -hmm. The right uh, one-quart canteen pouch yeah. was like Ranger Ratchet, a Curlex, a ratchet <laughs> strap, and like two IV bags or some shit. Yeah. And as, so the other variable here was, I'll never forget, all of us fucking hated the battalion intel guy because he briefed weather. And he was like, oh, it's, you know, it's uh, early September, late October in Germany. It's going to be really mild and not hot and blah, blah, blah. So we did an in-flight rig on a C-17 the whole way over. So, like, you're kind of hydrating, but not really because you don't want to have to fucking piss yes, every five yeah. minutes. There's one piss rigged. tube in the back of the fucking bird. Yeah. So I remember, I think I was the number one jumper. I didn't, I didn't jump master that. I jump out, fucking check canopy, and then I, like, kind of looked down. And I was like. I'm already fucking sweating. It was hot as fuck. It was, hot it as was like 95. God. Hit the ground. By the time I packed my fucking mane in my kit bag, I was like drenched. I was like, ooh, this is going to be bad. Yep. So I start fucking drinking water. I don't know, about three miles into it, our platoon sergeant fucking shits the bed. And then, yeah, dudes just started fucking dropping like flies. And I go to my team leaders. I'm like, stick all your guys with their first bag. Like, everybody take a fucking bag. Smart. And yeah, I fucking early. took a bag. And I set it on my fucking ruck frame. And I was fucking road marching with a fucking IV in. <laughs> yep. And dudes started dropping so bad that our CO was like, all right, at the next, because it was like 
it was farm fields. There weren't a lot of uh, trees. There was no shade. Yeah. So he's like, he kind of does like a net call, gets the guidons in. At that point, I think I was like the acting platoon sergeant. So I go into the center, and he's like, next big piece of fucking shade we see, we're going to stop until the fucking sun drops a little bit, and then we're just going to walk all night. We're going to kind of frag the plan here. And uh, we go in, and I could see this group of trees. It was like, you know, a K away. And I'm just like, yes, tunnel vision on it. And my fucking vision has started to just like Ooh. sink in. And I'm like looking through drinking straws by the oh, time we get across. And I'm like, please don't go down. Please don't go tits up. Come on. And I remember I'm having a lot of memory unlocks from the blue pill. Yeah. You know? Um, we need more. Memory unlock. I had heard a rumor that ibuprofen lowered your core temp. So I was popping 800 milligram Motrins and just chewing them like fucking Tic Tacs. So I would like not go down as a heat casualty. Yeah. I'm sure that was the opposite of what I should have done. <laughs> but we get there, man, and like people are just fucked up. I think by that time we'd, we'd walked around 10, 15 miles. Mm. And like I said, I was the acting platoon sergeant. Um, another platoon sergeant had a guy go missing that morning turns out he was like a huge shitbag that just wanted to go AWOL so he faked disappearing oh so he had not gotten to put the boots on that he wanted because he was in a hurry to leave so his feet like he, he was wearing green jungle boots all the green on the jungles were just like you know that like dark dark red yes. from blood yeah yeah so his feet were just hamburger oh. he made the movement though but yeah so we kind of waited a little bit walked through the night by the end of that movement I was carrying my rifle, I had a 240 on my ruck and a shotgun on my ruck. Mm. Because, like, we were just carrying everybody's shit. Yeah. yeah. Sensitive And, uh, yeah, so we make it to our attack position for this raid that we were doing on this, like, German uh, camp. And they had, like, some 1st Armored Division guys as, like, our op four. Mm-hmm. It was not a good night to be no. one of them motherfuckers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we leave the attack position. By this time, I think we were in the attack position. We did a little bit of planning, hasty planning and shit to do the do the raid. And we stepped off to go do the raid is when that guy got hit by the car. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we were walking. He was a PL of 1st Platoon. And he was he was still fucking droning hard. He had not recovered in our little, like, little moment of rest in this attack position. <laughs> and he just kind of like... Because like you said, we were wearing 14s. So like he didn't really see like... I could see when cars would come up, you could see that ambient light yeah. flicker. But I think he was just such a drone at that point, he just didn't give a fuck and started walking across the road. His RTO reached up and tried to pull him back. And the car hit him and the RTO's arm. So it, like, shattered the RTO, like, broke his arm in, like, you know, 15 places. Wow. And that guy got launched about 100 meters. That car was doing, like, 80 Okay, so that's not a figment of my imagination when there was a human flying through the air. No, 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 no. no. He and the ruck saved him probably because he probably landed. He on was him. wearing at that point. We'd gotten our plates, uh-huh. like the old school Ranger RBA, yeah. which were just plates that you would throw on under your LC. He had his plates, his ruck, and his cape on, and his ruck frame was destroyed. His plates were broken. His M4 was in like 40 p, like it exploded basically. Oh my god, dude! And yeah, the, luckily we had the battalion surgeon and the battalion PA walking with our platoon, or our company for some reason. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, what was it? Was his name Slevin, the PA? The Asian dude? No. 
I can't remember. Doesn't matter. But he was doing like his initial assessment on him and like sweeping him. And he had like slices in his fucking hands from all the shattered bones in the dude's legs. Oh my like his, God. His, he was destroyed. And like when he took off, like all the, all the medics were like, he's fucking done. He's not going to fucking live. He's alive right now, but he's going to die. But he lived. And he's, Is he, had he recovered? Has he recovered? He had a lot done? of brain stuff. Like, oh my God. And he was a platoon yeah. leader? Was yeah, he an officer? He was a lieutenant, yeah. Dude, what did you guys do with the fallouts on that movement? Did you just like rendezvous them into a. Yeah, they, oh, that was another funny, a little funny from that one. So, <laughs> me and Kevin have this voice that we do <laughs> of our former platoon sergeant. Oh, what voice you talking about? This voice right here. Oh, so, <laughs> we're, we're sitting in the attack position. My best buddy and me were Dave McDowell, we're the only squad leaders left at that point i was a little senior to him so i was the acting platoon sergeant and our platoon sergeant came rolling into the attack position before so they brought all the fallouts back on in a vehicle integ- yeah in vans integrated them back into the platoons for the for the raid for the hit so it was like the a, it was like a call of duty revive like yeah it was revive. like everybody got their cheat codes and he <laughs> came cruising in and was like fire breathing in this fucking patrol base like what do y'all look so tired for and i was like is he fucking joking is he oh, fucking around and he was serious. And I was like, ooh, fucking motherfucker. And that that started a long and colorful relationship between me and that platoon sergeant. It's amazing the detail that you remember all this. And I remember, you know, events, the things, right, and portions of it. One of the most notable is I was out of toilet paper. And <laughs> I used a moist towel that from an MRE. Oh, yeah. And I thought that. I was good. And then I took two steps, and it felt like fire in my butthole. <laughs> and then Figueroa hooked me up. The guy in my squad with some Vaseline. And then I always carried Vaseline after that for the rest Vaseline's of my life. Vaseline's key. I've never done that. I use oh, not yeah. Vaseline, but I use what is the Body Glide. When I discovered okay. Body Glide. Yeah, but that's that's new. There Age. was. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> on true. this, when I was brand new, brand new guy, you know, in a, in a squad you have the blank guy, like tape guy, TP guy, fucking 550 cord guy. Yeah. And you have these little extra responsibilities as privates. Yeah. Right? And the TP guy was this guy we we called Cruddy. His his last name was or his first name was Grady, um, but he had gotten a these fucking blue pills, man. Memory unlocks are crazy. <laughs> right now. Your mouth is so blue. Yeah. So, why did his work better? And these memory unlocks are great. Yeah. So he, he took more. Crud, we called him Cruddy because he, again, dating ourselves, he got a Blockbuster Video membership. Oh yeah. And didn't pay his late fees, so they would always call, and they always called him Cruddy because they couldn't read his handwriting when he, when he <laughs> signed up. So we started calling him Cruddy, too. Anyway, he was the TP guy. And in the toilet paper, he kept a chapstick. Hmm. So he did, instead oh. of Vaseline, he would hit up the, the O-ring with a little chapstick. Yeah. And <laughs> there was a team leader in our squad who will remain nameless who was a real fucker. And... He came out to me, bitching at me, wanting the teepee, and I was like, that's not my job, but I know where it is in Cruddy's Ruck. So I went and got it and gave it to him. He looks at it, goes off, takes a shit, and he walks back, and he's fucking putting the chapstick on. I knew it. He's putting the chapstick on, I was like, good, Corporal, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That is fucking awesome. That is awesome. So that's where you guys were on 9-11. Yeah, we were in Germany. So... Circle back to Veterans Day, though. What made you want to join the military? What um, made you? So I knew I was, I mean, I grew up with, you know, 
fucking Rambo and like all the movies and all the things and always knew I wanted to be in the military. Um, my grand, I, I had become a firefighter actually right out of high school and I was doing firefighting things and working a part-time job. And then, um, my grandfather died and I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just gonna leave. So I had read a book, a couple books and I had a family for, actually it was a girl I was dating. It was her family. They had a 75th, um, Ranger battalion, uh, medic who kind of educated me on it. So when I read up on Ranger stuff, um, cause naturally it was like, I don't know, seal or I just knew what I knew from books and from ch- movies and shit like that. But then I realized that like Ranger battalion kind of went to war every nine years. So I just did a little math and I'm like, well, they're fucking rad, right? They're doing awesome stuff. And I decided that's where I was going to go. So I had to figure out this, uh, you know, contract thing. My ASVAB was uh, decent or, or pretty good. So they tried to talk me into some other stuff. So I told him to fuck off. But my dad, um, he said, you have to talk to every service. So I talked to the Marine Corps. They had a weird deal where it was like you could pick a location but not a job or something. Um, so that didn't work. The uh, Navy was like, well, you have to lie about your uh, asthma. I had childhood asthma. So you have to take a methacholine challenge to get in, like, maps and all that shit. And then I'm like, well, let's go figure out this Ranger contract thing. As I'm going back, he's like, we got to talk to the Air Force. And that's where it's kind of funny because I came in, the recruiter's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I shoot people in the face. And they go, we we don't really do that. Like, we have CCT and we have PJ. And I was like, that sounds gay. And then, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then I think I don't remember exactly, but it took a couple weeks. I ended up getting a Ranger contract and then away I went. So you have no uh, family that we're also veterans? None. Well, let's see where we're at here. Perfect. Hour and 12. I think there's no better way to commemorate Veterans Day than veteran stories. Yeah. Should we start telling veteran stories then? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been in a hole of like great storytelling. It's like, it's been like two minutes. Yeah, I can't. blue boner pill. Like, Dude, <laughs> we need all great. of that. Those nootropic things. Dude. Yeah. And for the listeners, uh, nootropics are properly administered orally, and then you snort one, and then you put one in your prison wallet. Yeah. That's the best way Keister. to do it, and that's from a poorly, poorly trained medical <laughs> professional. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So as we wrap up, Jericho, Mike, Jenna, thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate your time. Um, you. Also, take a look at Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, the website because there are multiple Veterans Day uh, sales and opportunities for our uh, listeners and for our exclusive coffee membership folks and those who want to pick up some merch or coffee. So check that out and happy Veterans Day and I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Jump titties, boy!